Welcome to the Leadership Network Podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. Welcome back, friends. Healthy Leaders Next podcast is where you're at, and I hope you're excited to learn from yet another amazing guest. Uh, today, we're looking at finding number two from Soul Care's original listening tour back, I don't know, three or four years ago now, where we were trying to understand the landscape of spiritual formation and soul care in organizations. And you may recall, if you listened already to our first few episodes, that finding number one is that we believe, and this is good news, we are at an inflection point. There is a deep refusal to continue with unhealthy patterns of leadership from the past. Even if we're not sure what the way forward is, there is a commitment to find it, and that is good news. But the second finding is our topic today, and that was this, that the future is about integration. Uh, sometimes in our work environments, uh, the integration has been somewhat lacking. We think about work-life balance as if those are two separate things, and I could go on and on with examples, uh, but that's our topic today. And my guest is a wildly talented uh, and integration-savvy colleague and friend, Cheyenne Skelton. We became friends uh, many years ago, actually, before she was married, uh, when she was just at a career inflection point and moving into seminary and to other ventures, ultimately getting married and joining a similar organization to myself. It's just been a really fun journey. Uh, but I have always been impressed by her leadership and dedication to her own and others' soul health. So she was, of course, someone I wanted you all to hear from as well as we address this topic. And friends, I have to say, the future is bright uh, when I think about the impact of Cheyenne in her sphere of influence and other leaders like her. She carries a lot of influence among next-gen leaders, and that is as it should be, and that is very good news for us all. So her official bio is that she serves as a partner success manager at Glue, where she helps lead partnerships with the Barna Group and others as they work together to help church leaders understand the times and help equip them to respond well. In addition, she partners with her husband, Grant, leading the next-gen initiatives at Think, where they can convene high-capacity next-gen leaders and create space for connection, collaboration, and spiritual health. Cheyenne is deeply passionate about the emotional health and wholeness of leaders, where healing and intimacy with Jesus in one's inner life overflows into all aspects of their outer life and leadership. So hearing all that, I'm sure you can understand why I'm eager for you to hear this great conversation with Cheyenne Skelton. Join in. Cheyenne, our topic today is about the future of particularly work environments that are optimized for healthy souls and uh, how we lead towards those things. So you know that's our topic. I just want to ask you first off, like when you think about this topic of integration, wow. how does that show up? for you in, uh, in your sort of journey in the past number of years, when you yeah. think about being an integrated self in a work context, where does that idea take you? It's a great question. Thanks for posing it, Mindy. Um, and just an honor to be on here with you. Like we're just to get to have a conversation with a real life friend and someone who our conversations off camera have just sparked so many, um, deep thoughts, deep conversations, uh, 
had an impact on my life. So um, it's fun to be able Likewise. to one and um, hopefully the Lord uses it in some really sweet ways in the journeys of others. So Amen. Um, speaking of journeys, I think um, to your question about what integration of my own life has looked like, I have a really clear memory of my senior year in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a, a leader on campus in a number of different positions and um, our campus administration basically said, hey, we want to host um, kind of like a, a two-day on-site of sorts of leadership training for leaders on campus. So they had us come into the you know main building there on campus and we sat and listened to some presentations and they had us do a couple of exercises. Hmm. One of the exercises, they passed out these sheets of paper that had different um, terms, different values listed on them. And we were tasked with narrowing that list down to our top 10. If you had to pick your top 10 values, what would you pick? And so we all, you know, got our little pens and pencils and began circling and thinking through. And about five minutes later, you know, they came in and they said, okay, now narrow that list of 10 down to five. And so then we did, you know, a couple more minutes of just like, oh, okay. First task was kind of relatively easy, but then you've already picked your 10. You're, you're feeling kind of partial towards them. Then you got next half. So it's like, okay, it's really good exercise. And they said, okay, na- like, narrow it down to three. And then eventually narrow it down to one. And so in this exercise, what I realized that the value that I wound up circling at the very end was the word integrity. Because to me, and we have this beautiful conversation um, around the table, around these round tables um, of other campus leaders, I said, integrity feels like the value that encompasses so many of the other values that I couldn't pick as my number one. Uh This one feels like the one that I need to pick because it's the most all-encompassing. And I really Mm -hmm. think um, that was probably the first time that I had thought intentionally and consciously to a certain degree about the word integrity. And then learning later in my journey, you know, integrity comes from integration and and what does that mean? And um, I've spent a lot of time both in college. My degree was actually in psychology, sociology, and counseling. And in the several many years um, since college, I have continually found myself really drawn to um, the inner work that I think we're all invited to go into. I think some of us, like myself, have a a natural proclivity towards it. Um, A little bit more introspective. Those of us who are introverts, who don't mind being, um, you know, by ourselves for a little bit more extended period of time. um, The conversation doesn't maybe feel quite as heady or or intimidating. Um, But I've, I've always felt kind of this inkling towards, you know, what is it in my past life? What is it in my present life? And what is it in the life that I'm dreaming of? Um, where are the common threads? What what does this mean about who I am and what I'm called to do? Um, both the being of like who am I called to be and the doing of my hands. Like what, Lord, what's the work that you've given me uniquely in this point in time of all the time in history? You could have had me be alive. Like you chose this one. Why? Um, and I think having an idea of, of integration um, through my journey has honestly come out of a lot of pain. Um, in 2019, in my mid to late 20s at that point, um, I had a dark night of the soul, which at that point in my journey, you know this, we've talked in depth about it. Um, at that point in my journey, I didn't even know what that was. I had no idea. I had no theological framework for what a dark night of the soul was. Nobody else my age was experiencing anything like that. Um, and I, I grew up in the church. I just didn't have any sort of theological framework 
or teaching or um, even just human understanding outside of even just like the religious stuff. It was like, what is going on inside of me and around me? And it just felt like such a swirl of chaos. And um, that really began kind of this, this journey. I think it was God's invitation to going a lot deeper. And he had some things that he really wanted to uncover, some really ugly um, painful things, even within my own story, either from, you know, hurts and wounds past that we all carry that affect us and impact us in some way, just our own natural sin nature or humanity or brokenness of the world around us. And, um, that really began really a four year long journey of the Lord uncovering, unraveling. It's full of pain. It was full of disillusionment. It was full of disappointment. Um, they were really not very sexy years. <laughs> <laughs> not sexy, not cute, not probably the thing that like you want to share first thing on the podcast, but here we are. Um, uh, and, but I'll, I will say the Lord was so kind mm-hmm. in his patience. He was so gentle, um, very convicting, did a lot of hard, hurtful, but the good kind of hurtful, like a surgeon, you know, he wasn't just cutting for the sake of cutting. He was cutting to, to bring healing ultimately. To heal. mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so much of that for me was integrating um, my personal life with my work life, with my ministry life. My husband leads um, the next gen kind of department at, mm-hmm. uh, at a local ministry that has a nationwide kind of impact and footprint. And so how we're leading out in that, there were just all these different elements at play. And it just began this, um, I don't know, it was a, as a weaving over time. Mm-hmm. Can't say there was never just one moment where it was like, oh, and this is all figured out now. And um, 100% still on that journey but just figuring it out, Lord, like, what is it that you are wanting to do in this work of tying things together and bringing healing and bringing it about in such a way that it's for your glory, but it's also for my good. And it's for the good of those who are around me, who I get to serve and, um, and pour into and, and have sweet conversations with. So mm-hmm. my own story, I think that's, that's a beautiful story. I, I love that. that that was yeah. your top value when you were in <laughs> college, right? And then you've been living out your life since that time, the way many of us in our modern culture do with, well, here's who I am at work. Here's who I am with my family. Here's who I am with my partner or love relationships. And here's who I am, you know, just me by myself or working out or whatever, my physical health. And those have all been kept pretty separate. I think. And as a society, we have viewed them quite separately. As ministry leaders, we've often viewed people quite separately, like, oh, we're here to help you with your spiritual life, but your health and fitness, we don't really care about or your vocation or anything like that. It's like, well, no, we only care about your spiritual life, whatever, whatever that means. And so I, you were part of our original listening tour. And you were one of the people we interviewed. I mean, that would have been in a couple of years ago now. And it, it was such a, a significant finding that we listed it sort of number two in all of the things that we heard from people, yourself included, about basically kind of the future of work and the future of how, how people were going to encounter um, their lived experience in the midst of a particularly a ministry context, but some of the folks we're calling we we interviewed were in a business context. And 
I think especially on this point, really doesn't matter which. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the years since, we've seen this upswell in so many of additional voices that are speaking about the importance of this integrated life. Um, yeah, so you were you were part of the original imagination that helped form this as a, a priority that we heard mm-hmm. about the future. When you think about um, what it would mean to have a work experience or a ministry experience that honors you as an integrated self, mm-hmm. like it, 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 integrity, you're right, same root word as integrated, integer, a whole number, the idea of whole, when a, when a bridge has structural integrity, it means it can hold the weight, like there's a there's a soundness to yeah. something that has integrity uh, or is integrated appropriately. And, and I, I've often been saying lately that it, an integrated life is not our goal. It's our, it's a fact. Like mm-hmm. the fact of being human is that all the different parts of us are in fact integrated and we can either live in alignment with that or not. Yeah. And so anyway, when you think about and maybe, maybe you are experiencing this now or a future desired state for a work environment to see you, honor you, um, support you and challenge you as a whole person. Yeah. What kind of things come to mind about the future? Hmm. So good. I think as you were sharing, Mindy, I, I had a thought come to mind and it's, um, we're, we are integrated whether we choose to be or not. Like it will show up with or without your permission. <laughs> oh, that is so well said. I love that. The things of your in your 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 past and your personal life, your triggers, your reactions, your personality tendencies, your your quirks, your work wirings, your motivations, like all of the things, they're going to show up in work. Um I, I've heard you know that that kind of infamous saying of uh, it's not personal, it's just business. And I just, I don't think that's honest. I don't think, I think to a certain degree, there are elements where, okay, at this point, business is kind of taking the lead, but it can never be without person, um, without the the personal component of that. And I think our first step in creating work environments where we can do real work that really matters, that has impact, because I think that's at our core, even non-Christians, I think that's something we we genuinely as humans, we innately really want to do is, is work that makes impact. Um, and so as we think about that, it's like, how do we create space to not try to, to, to blindfold or, you know, put on, you know, blinders where we're not looking at the personal, we're not acknowledging, okay, like, I, you know, I'm a new mom and um, I've not been sleeping at night because my baby's up in the middle of the night. And so I'm showing up to meetings a little more tired. It's like, what could it look like in our workspaces um, to start with just how are you? And and asking different forms of that question, right? Because that, that feels so um, nuanced or just overused maybe now, but it's like, um, how are you showing up today? What do you have to offer? What do you have to give? What's going on in your world? Is there anything, if you do work in a Christian environment, or even if you don't, if your work coworkers understand like, hey, I'm a believer and grew up into that, is there anything going on in your life that I can just be praying for you for? Those kind of questions um, really set a tone for trust. And I've noticed that in a handful of the teams I've had the privilege to be a part of. And there's a statistic that says it actually takes seven minutes 
of just kind of normal personal conversation for there to develop um, a an element of trust, essentially. And so what could it look like for the first few minutes of a work call to be dedicated towards, you know, what's going on in life? How are you doing? Um, is there anything that would be good for us to know about today or the week ahead of you? Um, how can we support you? That sets the tone for the exact same conversation to follow of like, okay, we have this project. We, mean, we need to meet these deadlines. We need to divvy out this amount of work. We need to make these strategic decisions or you know, have these kind of hard conversations. It sets a completely different tone for the exact same conversation because you've already on the front end invested in the, you are welcome as an integrated person into this space. Um, I think COVID in a lot of really interesting ways forced us into that a little bit or gave us a gentle nudge and invitation, we'll say, mm-hmm. um, because so many of us are working from home now. And so you're you're not able to as easily just kind of jump from, from one box to another. Um, not to even say that again, that that's bad, but I think just realizing we are human, we are um, going to show up with all of the things uh, as as much as we can try to you know engage in self control and, and do that in a really healthy way, but just acknowledging um, what I what I'm bringing is real, um, and I think as as leaders of teams in the workspace, creating rhythms of hey that's just a normal part of a starting meeting, but maybe you even do um, like I've been on a couple of teams where we will do it was an assessment called True Motivate, and what it did is it actually helped identify your core motivations. So our whole team took it. And then we spent I think two hours just going through everyone sharing their top results and then speaking personally to, okay, this is what really motivates me. And then the rest of the team had this opportunity to say, oh, I totally see that in you. That's why you do mm. this in these meetings. And gosh, that makes so much sense. And it just, it gave space for appreciation for the different things that we each brought to the table in a very um, human, very united sort of way. Um, and I've been on teams where it is just very task oriented. It's very, here's the job that needs to get done. And um, the experience isn't quite the same. You don't feel like you no. can truly show up even with the best of your talent, even with the best of your guests, even with the best of, you know, whatever it is. It's like there, there's something innately in us. The fact that in Genesis, God looked at man alone in the garden before sin entered, before the fall, before any of that, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. We were innately created for community. We were innately created to know and be known and know others. And so finding the appropriate level of that um, for the workspace, I think is good. And of course, we we want to avoid the pendulum swinging, right? So we don't want to go from, we never talk about personal stuff to all of a sudden we're having you know, therapy sessions and work Zoom calls. We <laughs> probably don't want to go to that extreme. So that's certainly not what I'm advocating, but just finding ways to to be reminded that we're all we're all going through things that are outside of just the scope of this meeting or this. Project. I love that. I think that is such a practical thing in a work context. Ministry work, but it doesn't. I don't. I don't. Doesn't matter what the team does. Even a family, you're a team. Right. You know how right. do you how do you not just look at people as their functional roles, but look at them holistically as a human, as an integrated whole. And welcome the fullness of who they are as they are into whatever is the next thing we're doing. And I, you have led teams, you've led projects. I know some of the folks that have been part of your teams. And I can imagine uh, 
that you have led in that way. And you're right. I remember when COVID started, um, I started meetings as probably you did just like, Hey guys, like before we dive into this huge project, like, how are you, are you doom scrolling all night long? And what are, what's your level of fear or concern or what's giving you encouragement or hope? And I didn't know that seven minute statistic. That's good to bear in mind in the future. I think I will, but I know we took a generous amount of time for that. And over time, because we kept it up, people would say, thank you so much for doing this. And it made me realize other meetings people were showing up into was like, I think people felt maybe an extraordinary pressure to keep performing, even though we were all online. And so it was dehumanizing. It was like, all that matters about you is your performance here. And so... And as you said, it's not even the most strategic way to get the best of someone's performance to just treat them as a cog in the machine. So I love that as super practical. I want to flip the question. You're, you're answering somewhat in a, um, as, as a leader, which is great, um, how you create that setting to welcome people's fullness as an integrated whole. Um, how about you when you're on your own heading into a new day or into a key decision or into maybe a season of deficit in one or more of the dimensions of who you are. Um, how do you give yourself permission to, to, to handle the, the thing that might not be as obvious, but you know, what's going on? Like how, how do you, how do you self lead yeah. for health as an integrated whole? Oh, that's such a good question. And a currently lived in reality. <laughs> I'm sure it is for all of us. I know it is yeah. for me. <laughs> I'm glad to ask you and then it doesn't have to be on me. <laughs> well, then I'm going to ask you and you're going to give me your tips and we'll just compare notes and we'll take the okay. best of it all. And, you know, it's, it's like turn into a conversation and a smart goal. Yeah. It's going to be great. Love it. Um, no, this, it really is great. I just a few weeks ago had a, a one-on-one meeting with my um, mentor. We met virtually. She lives in Brains, Missouri. And one of the things I asked her, I said, Dr. Alicia, how do you, how do you keep doing what you need to do in normal daily life? Like, how do you get the chores done? How do you take care of the kids? How do you get the work things checked off the list? when you feel it's such like an emotional deficit. Um, I was like, because I, I feel so tired. I feel so exhausted in the season right now. And, you know, I, there are moments where it kind of comes and it goes and it ebbs and it flows and I never know where it's going to be. And that inconsistency is so hard to, mm-hmm. to plan for, or to even give permission or give space. And it's like, I would welcome any wisdom you have. And she said, take it hour by hour. Mm-hmm. She said, I don't even try to take it day by day anymore. She said, I used to. She's like, but now I just take it hour by hour. And she said, and when I sit down for a meeting and I feel exhausted because, you know, I just had a really hard conversation with one of my kids or just got a really hard work email or whatever it is. She said, I just take a deep breath. I turn my eyes towards Jesus and I say, Holy Spirit, you know, you know what I need for this next hour. You know what I need for this next, you know, block segment of time, whatever it is that I'm doing. I'm going to trust that you will give me just enough. And we mm-hmm. see that principle in the Bible so many times. All like, the time. Israelites and, and you know, and the manna, and it, it was always just enough. And so um, part of it is a, a dependence, um, which for a firstborn type A <laughs> personality uh, is, is a, 
a learning process. Um, it be really painful at times, but it really has turned into this really beautiful thing of like, okay, I don't have to have it all. I don't have to do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that sounds super, you know, placid and typical no. and, um, but that, that really has been kind of the integration work that I'm doing now is, is even just taking some of these things that I've known in my mind and that I have held head knowledge of beginning to, to practice it, integrate it, um, to actually put a sticky note on my laptop that says, take a deep breath or, you know, yep. turn your eyes up or even just the, the breath prayer help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love because you're really speaking to the integration of the spiritual life Mm -hmm. over and against the rest of our priorities. Because any one of those things could have come from the domain of our relationships. I got a hard email. I just had an argument with my spouse or, you know, some unsettling thing is happening at work or my physical health. I didn't sleep well last night. Any of those different parts of our personhood that show up. Um, the spiritual life, you know, kind of where we started a lot of our, our teaching or I'll speak for myself, my teaching up until when I had my, I didn't call it a dark night of the soul. I took a face plant and like <laughs> could not handle anything. <laughs> um, but it was probably a similar age as yourself and is relatively young compared to when most people encounter that kind of brokenness and mm-hmm. invitation to a different way of life. But my prior experience had really positioned spiritual life or spiritual growth or spiritual things as separate from the rest of all that. Even though our theology, our head knowledge believed certain things, but I didn't know how to receive my life from God moment by moment throughout Mm -hmm. a day. And you just gave such a perfect example of like meeting by meeting, hour by hour, how am I reconnecting with the living God who is with me right here, right now, asking for help, expressing gratitude, whatever it is. And that is a beautiful way, even for us to kind of wrap up our, uh, our conversation about integration, because um, I, I think that integrating our lived experience of life with God into the warp and woof of daily life is mm-hmm. one of the most even for people who are vocationally in ministry, that is often not part of their, their journey. And so, um, yeah, hope, I hope everybody's listening. will take that to heart. (laughs) And uh, if, do you have any final, like as an original listening tour participant, and now (laughs) talking about the findings of the future being about integration, Maybe dream for us a little bit. What what would you hope for every person who's listening to this that they would experience in yeah. the future? Um, to our friends who are listening, I hope you know that we're cheering for you. Like mm-hmm. I hope you know that there are people in your corner who want you to do well, who want you to finish well, who care more about you than they care about what you can do for them or to do, you know, to to achieve, to make impact, to all the good things. But um, I just hope you know that we're we're cheering for you. And we need you, the world needs you to be the best version of yourself that Christ created you to be. Um, and so as I think about what does the future of integration look like all the way back from, you know, Mindy, our conversation a few years ago to today to looking forward um, in some of the next-gen ministry stuff that my husband and I do, I 100% see this as a very true 
very through thread. Um, they care a lot about being genuine. They care a lot about being um, true to themselves. And so I think there is um, a really great opportunity to continue um, this work of, you know, we're all in kind of our own individual sanctification journey, but I think we, as the body of, of Christ, I think we as a, a human species, even <laughs> we are also in this kind of sanctification process, maybe of, you know, may, maybe there's something going on that's bigger and broader where um, the next generation's picking up on this. You know, I really want to be true to myself. And of course you, you get the weird kind of, you know, the, the enemy wants to put his hook on it and, and turn it and bend it in a different direction. But at its core, I think there's a really great opportunity for us to first find that um, and experience it, to begin living it out, and then to turn around to those around us um, and to lend a helping hand or just come alongside them um, when it's appropriate. So that's kind of my my hope and vision. My dream for the future is I see us moving in this direction. I think the more that we can continue this learning process, there's a educational psychologist um, Benjamin Bloom, who talks about the uh, the journey of actually learning of, of where you learn it, but then you kind of get it. And it starts with this, you you become aware that this thing is happening and then you, you ponder it for a little bit. And you're kind of thinking like, okay, this, this feels like a really good thing. And I see the value in it, it becomes the third step. Then there's this gap of there has to be action. And that's when we begin to actually prioritize that thing in our life. And we begin to integrate it into our daily rhythms, into our thought process, into our conversations, into our day-long schedule, our work schedule, um, into our week schedule, our months, our years. And then, you know, eventually we we come to really own it. And that's when I think we can speak from a position of um not mastery, because I don't think any of us will ever get to a point where we're like, I've mastered this, I've got this hands down, but we can speak about it in a way that is is honest um, and full of integrity. So that's that's my hope is that we will all continue along that journey wherever we may find ourselves today and tomorrow. Well said, well said. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your wisdom. And uh, I'm sure people will be blessed to have heard from you today. So thank you and blessings over you and your forward going journey, living life uh, very full, very whole, leading well. Truly such a joy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom, and pursue what is next. Visit leadnet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts, and more. That is leadnet.org. 